Hello, it's Wayne Perry, the TV carpenter here. Can I ask you a question? Are you a DIY doer? Meaning, do you like DIY? Do you like fixing the things in your home? Or does it frighten you and you'd rather somebody else did it, like your other half, or you paid somebody to come and do it? The reason I'm asking the question is, it's either one or the other. People don't realise anyone can be a DIY doer. And for, for me, when I say that, I don't mean the big jobs. I don't mean putting up shelves. I don't mean laying laminate flooring. For me, DIY is about having a safe house for you and your family. So when I say safe, knowing how the smoke alarm works and why does it beep or knowing how to turn your water off if your house is flooding or if the fuse trips and your electrics go out, knowing what all the buttons on the fuse board do. So that's a safe home. I think everyone should have that. Everyone should have a practical home, meaning everything should work as it should. So if your curtain tracks falls out the wall, you know how to put it on. Or if your toilet seat breaks, you know how to change it. But also I think everyone should have a beautiful home, knowing what paint types to use, knowing how to upcycle some furniture. If you would like a safe, practical and beautiful home, Let me teach you the DIY around it. All you need to do is join the DIY Doers Facebook group. You can find it on Facebook or you can go to my website, thetvcarpenter.com and I'll link you straight through to there. Let me help you create a safe, beautiful and practical home for you and your family. On today's show, I chat with stylist and author of Interior Design Master's book, Joanna Thornhill. I mean, I very much wanted to um, to break it down. So we've got lots of case studies in there from, from the show. So Banjo's is, that, that room of Banjo's is one case study. And as you say, he some some people, some designers are super instinctive and they, they almost can't tell you how they've done it. They just know it, it kind of works. And so what I've tried to do is, is break down why it works and explain how you can recreate that at home and, and get the look but in a, but also still explaining why you might want to do like what the sort of impact will be of certain things so if you want to if you want to create the space a space that feels a bit more vibrant maybe you could add a boulder green or rather than just being kind of like you know here's how you can kind of completely copy it Hello and welcome to the TV Carpenter Podcast with me, your host, Wayne Perry. This is a podcast where I interview my friends from the world of interior design and garden makeover shows, all with the aim of inspiring you to create your dream home. A huge thank you has to go to my sponsor of the podcast, which is Thorndown Paint. Now, I asked Joanna Thornhill to have a little look through the colour chart and have a think about which colours jumped out from the Thorndown range. And this is what she said. Yeah, so I don't know if this is um, cheating, but I, I am going to say the colour that I already have used um, because it's um, it's so lovely. So I've got a garden log cabin that is my office space. Um, and again, as I was saying before, before lockdown, everything was painted grey. And then during lockdown, everything changed colours. Um, and so I repainted the front of the shed in um, in field green um, from Thorndown. And it's just such a lovely... It's kind of quite a dark mud. It's a little bit like Banjo's um, Banjo's hotel room, that kind of sort of very, very dark, but still quite a warm, rich green. Um, so the whole front is like that, and, and it feels like it's really transformed the garden space. And um, I really like the thing I really like about Thorndown Paints, I'm not being, being paid to say this, but I really like their paints. And they've got um, the way that they, you can still see the natural grain of the wood underneath, which is yeah I just think it's a really lovely quality but they, they've been lasting really well for me so I've painted the yeah painted the outside of my um cabin in that color and then I've got like a little potting table outside as well that I've got my herbs and things on and I've painted that with some of the leftovers as well so yeah that's I'm a big fan of yeah just that lovely warm green what was really funny after I recorded that I was like wow that was the perfect advert for Thorndown not only did she choose a beautiful colour, field green, but also she expressed how, how well it's holding up. Um, the reason why I love Thorndown is, as I've mentioned before, they're an eco-paint. So everything they do is about being good for the environment. So if you'd like to check out their colour charts, you can go to thorndown.co.uk, but also you can take advantage of 15% discount off any online purchases by putting in the code THETVCARPENTER. Thank you. 
And now the end is near and we face the final curtain. <laughs> Thought I'd do a little song because we finished the final curtain, finished the final episode of Interior Design Masters season four, and we got to crown Monica. And I'm so proud and pleased that I, I was on her team and we got to see her across the finish line truly worthy winner both her and jack were absolutely sensational and what was really interesting is even after we'd finished building everything that we did we still didn't know which way it was going to go literally all the crew all the builders the decorators didn't know well we never do because obviously you know it's all down to michelle in the end but on the day that the judging was being revealed we all had a whatsapp group going come on let us know and it was really late in the day that we found out on the whatsapp group that monica had got through and we're just really really pleased for her i hope you enjoyed the series i hope you enjoyed the whole season it's been a really good one looking forward to starting the next one um hopefully in a couple of months um but yeah it was it was really good fun what was really frustrating for me though on that tuesday i was flying back from a, a trip away with some friends i was in barcelona for the weekend and i was flying whilst it was on tv so i didn't actually get to watch the final till the following day but um, yeah, um, I hope you got to see it and you got to enjoy it as well. Um, what was really interesting this week is um, at the same time as the show finishing, I a podcast that I recorded, I was a guest on another podcast called the Scummy Mummies podcast. Now, the Scummy Mummies are a comedy duo um, with, with Helen and Ellie, and they're amazing. They've been going for about 10 years. They're really funny. They do Edinburgh, they do tour all over the country and they have this really successful podcast about parenthood um and she invited myself and nikki bamford bows who was one of the contestants from first year of interior design masters and as you know nikki's a really really dear friend of mine our kids go to the same school we've even been on holiday together but also we've done carpentry and nikki's done the interior design for for ellie particularly and i've, I've done carpentry in both El, um, ellie and helen's the scum in mummy's houses so they did a uh, interior design special it was really funny we we all sat in ellie's lounge got very drunk and did this podcast. So if you have a listen to, I'll put the link in the bio here, but if you get a chance to listen to the Scummy Mummies podcast, you'll get to hear a little few more insights about um, shows, but also how to make your house as nice as possible using carpentry and interior designers. Um, and it was it was really good, but also I mentioned something that I'm um, launching shortly and I'm going to let you know on here. So I talked about um, a group that I'm creating, an online group called House Proud Club. And it, House Proud Club is, it's a bit like a, like the DIY doers, but the aim is to fix your house up, make your house a safe, practical and beautiful home. So I think everybody, when they think of being house proud, is they want it to be safe for them and their family. They want to know why the smoke alarms are beeping or how to turn off your water in emergency or, God forbid, you lose your keys and you want to know how to change the locks on your door. It's actually really easy. You just need to undo three screws, believe it or not, if you can open the door first. Um, so that's safe. Everyone wants to have a practical home. So they want to be able to reseal the bath to stop it leaking or fix that, uh, you know, picture that's fallen off the wall or reattach a toilet seat you know if they need to and then everybody I think wants a beautiful home which is why I imagine you listen to this podcast so you know you want to know the rules for gallery wall pictures or how to hang wallpaper or what paint finish to use you know on certain areas of your house so I'm creating this this group you know the house proud club um, where I can teach everybody to be have a safe practical and beautiful home so on that podcast with them i talked about it so that's going to be launching in a couple of weeks time so i'll, I'll be letting you know more about it throughout my socials and also um, sorry gentlemen but it's aimed solely at women so a lot of the times i've been teaching at the idle home show or i've taught in groups and i've shown people how to you know use drills and things everyone who seems to follow me on on the diy side of things about how to learn how to fix up their home tends to be female so i i want to empower women to be able to pick up the tools for them and their family to be able to fix the house and get the house that they deserve so listen out like i say on my social i'll be telling you more about 
about that over the next coming weeks uh, as I launch it. If you'd like to um, hear about it um, as soon as it's launched, if you go onto my website, thetvcarpenter.com, there'll be a pop-up there where you can put in your email address and what it'll do, it'll it'll send you an email as soon as it's ready to launch. So you'll be the first people in the queue. And to start with, it's going to be a really, really cheap um, cost. And the first people who join, the founding members, it'll be even cheaper than you imagine. So it might, it's very worth, you know, l- listening out for it and, and being one of the founder members, because ultimately I'll do the I'll do the training and depending on, on what you want to be taught. So if you've got a, a specific thing that you're interested in, then I, I can tailor it for you. Um, so, yeah. So listen out for that. Um now it's time for the main event. There is a little bit of a confession on this. So this is with Joanna Thornhill. Joanna Thornhill is the author and she's a stylist of many books. But more importantly, she's written the new Interior Design Masters book, which is based on the BBC show that you've been watching and that I've been a part of. I did record my interview with Joanna at the Idle Home Show, but frustratingly, there was a problem with the recording. So we had to redo it again um, over Zoom. And actually, I think we had more fun um, doing uh, over Zoom. Um, Because we we knew what we were going to talk about. Actually, I think we developed it even more and you, you got more out of the recording. So this is the main event. This is me chatting with the very talented author of Interior Design Master's book, Joanna Thornhill. Joanna Thornhill, thank you for coming on the TV Carpenter podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, my first question to you is, we've just come to the end of season four, Interior Design Masters, and obviously you've written this amazing book about the show. Is there any um, parts of the new season that you're itching or you wish you were in the new book? Um... Yeah, there's quite a lot. So, both, so when the book was um, com- well, we, when the book was commissioned, we knew that series four um, wasn't going to be. Or we weren't sure exactly what the dates were going to be. So we basically had to be really careful to not give away any spoilers in the book that would indicate what schemes people had worked on or anything like that. So what I ended up doing was I, I brought in. There's quotes in the book from everybody who features in series four, but it's more of their general design advice, and I, I had to basically stalk them for a little bit on their Instagrams and stuff to try because obviously I didn't they hadn't been on TV at that point so I watched their audit um yeah their audition tapes actually um that sort of an edit of their tapes and then I was looking at their Instagrams and stuff to get a sense of what their style kind of was um and uh yeah so from there I asked them questions that I felt would be appropriate for them which now now the series has, has finished. I, I, I think I kind of got it right. I was asking Monica about um, upcycling and about sort of Victorian, uh, working sort of with the Gothic Victoria and Victoriana things and things like that. So, um, yeah, so, so it would have been nice to um, talk to them a bit more about what they actually did for the show. Um, but nonetheless, it was nice to um, sort of speak, speak to some of them via email and, and um, phone and things and get a bit of sense. And then see see them all come come out and it all come to life. It's been really all come to life at really the end. Fun. Whilst watching this new season, obviously the book was all finished by the time the new season um, is started and was aired. Have you been able to enjoy watching season four, or have you still got your work head on, looking at like a, a mad stalker fan like you were for the other three seasons? Yeah, that was basically um, yeah. I, I spent uh, yeah. So series series one to three is is featured in the book. The book is very much based on the stories and and the designs that happen in the show. Um, so I did turn a bit stalker for a while, not kind of outside people's front doors <laughs> or anything like that. But I I rewatched all of the old episodes um, quite cons- like yeah quite extensively forensically almost. Um, to to pick out my ideas of how, what I was going to focus on and what I was going to ask um, the contestants and things like that. Um, so I did still kind of have that work head on to a degree watching the new one, but it, I was able to enjoy it at the same time. But it's a little bit of a busman's holiday <laughs> in a sense. There were a couple of nights where I thought, actually, I'm just going to watch it in the morning because I'm trying to wind down for the day and it's sort of going to put me straight back into work headspace so uh, but yeah I, ha- I have been really enjoying it yeah it's it's true isn't it it's like 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 you say you have to watch it the next day with a fresh eye because like you, you would be laid in bed thinking at like half nine ten o'clock going oh they've done all these little thoughts would be going through your head yeah absolutely yeah it's um 
yeah definitely sometimes you need that bit of <laughs> bit of a headspace away from it but yeah it, it still feels um I think so the book came out um when was it early March just uh, I think the book came out just a few days before series one start a uh, series four started airing so it's it feel I still feel kind of quite involved in the show in a sense while while it's going on and you know I've, I've Obviously, there's been a few sort of done a few press interviews and things about the book. There's there's bits and pieces that are still going to come out, so it still feels quite active in my in my mind. We, we obviously we are going to unpick the book and talk about it, but first I want to know about you and like you know how how you how you started. So, uh, have you always been interested in interior design or and, and writing? Where, where did this passion begin? Um, yeah, I, I was always interested. Um, even as a child, I think I was really into interiors and liked rearranging my room and all those types of things. I was very into arts and crafts, and um, and then I, I I was but I was always when I sort of got to university stage, I was quite interested in. Um, I studied fashion promotion rather than interiors, but it's quite a similar sort of thing, just slightly about clothes rather than cushions, <laughs> um, and. Uh, so I was always interested in in sort of the media side of things as well, and I grew up watching shows like Changing Rooms, um, uh, Property Ladder, all of the, those kind of like nineties and noughties shows. Um, so I I kind of got that this idea that I wanted to try and work in TV production on sort of TV interior design shows, and um, I managed to get a job as a runner at the production company that then made changing rooms um befriended the production team and finally fulfilled my dream of working as a kind of runner on one of the changing rooms christmas uh specials and oh um, wow that must have been amazing how was that it it was like the most fun in the world i've still got some photos of me with lawrence and um handy andy and i just look like i couldn't have looked more delighted (laughs) with myself um it was yeah it was just so fun and we it was like a, yeah so it was a Christmas no was it a Christmas special it was a special like a kind of a, an a extra feature length special so we were down in Boss Castle and there had been some flooding and so they were redoing some of the kind of very classic old hotels and pubs and things and um, that had been flood damaged so we were down in Cornwall for a week I was basically looking after Lawrence and making sure he was in the right place and yeah, so it was. It was. Um, yeah, it was lovely. Well, <laughs> really it's, good it's because you, my... you, that that would either make you never want to do it at all, or like really make you do it. But it sounds like you had a great time there. Yeah, no, it was great. But actually, then what I did, I, what I then started to realize is that um, the business of making TV, um, be, working in TV production, is very different to the being a, t- a designer for TV and and sets and photography and that sort of thing. So then I, I kind of. From that point, really, I then started to sort of branch away from that a little bit, and um, and then I started doing freelance assisting work for um, various interiors magazines, um, working with other freelance um, interior stylists. Sophie Robinson was one of my very first stylists who I who I worked with as an assistant. Um, so yes, that was really so. It's all kind of all come back full circle now because obviously Sophie and Lawrence both feature in the book. Um, so we're talking quite a fifteen odd years ago now. But yeah, so I started doing kind of working on shoots as an assistant, working for magazines and and then built up to doing my own jobs off the back of that experience that's kind of where the writing sort of came in again I'd always been uh, good at writing when I was at school it was always something I was interested in but I think back sort of back in the day it it felt very much like you you would you could be an interior designer or you could be kind of a newspaper journalist and I didn't really feel like either of them fitted but then I kind of happened to stumble upon this world which now obviously there's Instagram and everyone knows what a stylist is and content creation and stuff but sort of back in the in the day it wasn't really it was kind of a bit of unless you were in the industry you wouldn't know this line of work existed so I kind of managed to luckily fall myself into it well, that's <laughs> kind of cool right. I, like, like some i know a lot of creatives because i work with a lot of interior designers and also i work with a, a lot of writers you know i I've, re- I've written myself for the sunday times and things like that so you, but they tend to be a very different headspace so but to find a, a job that actually allows you to physically create something design something and then write about it that, that must have been just amazing when you discovered that job existed yeah, it's been really, yeah, it, there's, it's definitely, it's a really nice kind of niche that I've um, fallen into kind of writing about, 
writing about design and pulling together schemes and things without necessarily having to do the nitty gritty of, uh, as you know, um, when you're when you're creating a, a set for a shoot, you're not thinking, you're not worrying about kind of the longevity of it. Well, obviously, if it's in a commercial space, it has to be. But, um, you know, if you're just creating something for a look that then, that's then going to be taken down again, it's a very different headspace of how you're designing it. And it's, yeah, it's kind of all kind of quite fast and fun and, and exciting and all, all done and dusted very quickly and then it's like god did that you know it's almost like a dream did that even happen <laughs> well um, and you you've written you know quite a few books so um home for now my bedroom is an office and the new mindful home explain to me like how do you go from doing print journalism to writing the first book let's well, like how did that happen yeah that was um I had a bit of a bit of luck again there. Um, so I sort of came into the industry. I didn't know anybody, so I sort of stumbled along, found my made my own luck along the way, really. Um, but I I worked with a photographer on a magazine photo shoot, and she mentioned that she worked for the product um, for a publishing house that did a lot of craft books, and they often needed stylists to come in and style the craft projects for those books. So the makers. And the, the make yeah, so the makers would make the projects and write the books, but then they'd literally send us in their projects and we'd style it in a nice setting. So she said to me, Oh, if you ever um, you know, I could put your name forward if you want to be a stylist for them, I you know, ad hoc here and there. So I said, Yes, please, and then started working with the publishers. And then just one day they I sort of sent in my invoice and they said, Oh, and by the way, you know, if you ever do have ideas for a book, let's know. So I was like, Well, actually, <laughs> I've had this idea bubbling around for a while now. So my first book, Home for Now, was all about um Dec- kind of quick fix decorating ideas for um, renters and first time buyers so basically anyone that's in that position where they're wanting to make the most of the space that they're in but they're limited in what they could do either financially or they can't necessarily paint the walls or you know lots that they can't necessarily do which um, which was my kind of lived experience at the time um, so when I, when I was um, came up with the with the idea before it, as it got commissioned I'd been renting for sort of 15 10 15 years um and so I just put sort of put, pulled a lot of my ideas into that from ha- trying to decorate my rental places without decorating them and also the tricks I'd learned on shoots because again there's lots of things that you do on a photo shoot that is designed to be temporary to a degree and I thought well there's a lot of things that I'm doing on shoots that it's not going to last if you did it in a house it's not going to last 20 years but it might last six months and you might only live there for six months and as long as you can take it down again without doing any damage then you know why why is it wrong necessarily to to decorate in that way so yeah so that was the idea for the first book so we had a conversation um sort of worked up my ideas and then it got um commissioned from there really and then yeah once you've got one book under your belt it's <laughs> it's easier to get more <laughs> <laughs> well it's that feeling like I've never done it but that feeling of having that first book that you've written out and like in your hands what's that moment like yeah it's, it's- it's very surreal, really. It, it, it is actually with all of them. But yeah, I remember the um, yeah the first book I'd gone into the production, uh, the, the yeah the, the the publisher's office in Bloomsbury, um, and they sort of handed me a copy, and I remember sort of going back home on the tube with it and reading it and being kind of like opening it quite like <laughs> like oh what's this? <laughs> sort of looking around, no one cared, you know, no one would pay any attention to me or would have known it was me. But it was just like oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, it was um, it's very exciting, and it's and it still is. I think there's still um, everything is so digital nowadays, but there still is such a kind of a, a you know a buzz and a kudos about having something in print, whether it's in a in a magazine or a book or something like that. It's just it's really nice to have something physically tangible to hold. And when the Design Masters book came, through, I got that um, sent through in the post. Um, it arrived around just after Christmas, actually, I think, um, and. It was like, my God, it was because you've been staring at this PDF for months and months, agonizing over it. And then it's kind of this physical thing. It's like, wow, gosh. And I was actually surprised at how kind of big it like well, the book, the f- book physically isn't that big, but it's it's pretty thick. So it's like, no wonder this took me a long time to write. Yeah, it's <laughs> packed. quite a lot in here. <laughs> I always remember someone saying that, you know, if you're an author, a published author, you're an authority on something. So all of a sudden it gives you that, not kudos is maybe the wrong word, but it gives you that gravitas to be able to feel confident enough to talk about your subject matter. Um, you, you've also looked looking at the list of other books you've done, like My Bedroom is an Office and The New Mindful Home. My Bedroom is an Office. When was that one? Was that like a, res- a result of COVID? 
No, it was pre-pandemic. Wow, um, you're forward thinking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that was very fortuitous, actually. Well, it because it actually came out in um, 2019, but it did have like quite a big sales spike at that first um, the first sort of six months. I get kind of like bi biannual sort of um, you know figures and, and things. It did kind of have this huge spike <laughs> at the start of the um, pandemic, but yeah, so it was. Uh, turned out that it was quite well timed in that sense um and it was so the idea for the book it isn't just about bedrooms in offices it's essentially it's it's a whole the whole book is um different question I don't ever like to say quite answers as such but sort of quest, interior design questions and then potential solutions um and so each page is like a standalone question and solution um so you can read the whole thing cover to cover or you can just kind of flip to the individual problem that you might have and it's it's everything from kind of more styling decorative stuff to going a bit more into sort of architecture and building and that kind of thing and a bit of craft and DIY as well so it's it's designed to basically cover any and all of your decorating needs in a way that's hopefully quite accessible like I wanted it to be something where you might give it to like a friend who just bought their first flat and wasn't necessarily like really massively into interiors but they were kind of a bit like I, where do I begin so you begin on page one of that book which is where do I begin <laughs> <laughs> where do I begin but then your your third one was the new mindful home which is all uh, like obviously there's a big push with mental health within spaces and particularly after COVID as well um was that one as a result of COVID no <laughs> That was also, it came out during COVID. <laughs> I'm sort of too scared to maybe write any more after this. I can't predict. I don't know. <laughs> um, Careful yeah. what the title might be. We don't want to say what the title might be. Yeah, might be. yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> keep it to myself for now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, so the new Michael Home came came about, um, it was commissioned just before COVID. So, this, so um, yeah, so it was commissioned uh, sort of autumn 2019. Um, and yeah, I, I'd sort of come, come to the idea of it. I was, I, I'd been thinking quite a lot about the link between our, the way we design our homes and our wellbeing, um, and, and how all that connects and how we can basically use, use the design of our homes and the things that we put in them as, as a kind of a tool to aid wellness. But I wanted to very much make sure it's, I think people often think, oh, that must be my, it's the mindful home that must be really like minimal or neutral. And to my mind, it's not about, any particular style or look or colour it's more about just understanding what they all do and how they make us feel so then we can use them to our advantage basically and it's going to be different for everybody one person's version of mindful might actually be kind of crazy bright colours and loads of pattern because that's what makes them feel really kind of tuned into themselves or happy or whatever so so it was very much about that and but yeah when when we were sort of I, I had to work quite hard at, at pitching that one because the publishers they liked the idea but they they weren't quite sure at, at that time. It just felt like no one was really talking that much about this the whole idea of mindfulness and wellness and even like biophilia, like the connecting the outdoors to in like that wasn't really being talked about loads at that point. Um, so it felt like almost a little bit of a gamble for them. Um, and then the pandemic happened <laughs> and uh, then it was like, this is really timely. And I, I was almost kind of like, Oh God, I wish it was coming because it came out in the end in April, 2021. And I'm sort of like, oh, it's a shame it almost didn't come out a bit sooner because it felt like people were, but it, I think the timing ultimately worked out well. I feel like people were ready for it then and and people were more sort of on board with the topic. It's, it's amazing because the whole biophilia has become huge. And um, like you're talking then about what I really liked about the sound of that book is you saying how it's not about having the calm black space. I remember having a chat with Sophie Robinson and hearing her talk on other podcasts as well, just saying she designed her studio originally and it was all white because she thought I'd be calm. Because she's a Sophie Robinson, as we've talked before, is very colorful and she's known as the queen of color. But actually, having a white room actually repressed her and made her like, so uninspired that she ended up painting it a bright colour in the end. So I thought what you said is is bang on with with that. Then, yeah, I I, I think she, I think she's got like a um a really bold patterned wallpaper. It's like a floral wallpaper that she went with. In the, I remember sort of following her Instagram story about it. Or I think it was about the time that, that I was working on that book as well. Actually, it was a few years ago. Um, but yeah, and that's why I think it's it's really it's really useful to sort of know and understand 
what it is that that helps you because I think I, I had sort of a similar experience at the start of the um pandemic that I'd sort of done the whole thing in the sort of the in the 2010s of um, painting lots of rooms, various shades of grey, um, as many of us did. And then when the pandemic hit and suddenly all of the external stimulus of going out and, and you know, normal life was taken away, I was sort of looking around and thinking, like, oh, my God, I, I, I actually like, like sort of in, in a flick of a switch it was like I actually hate everything about this now <laughs> I need to redecorate immediately so yeah so I kind of did quite a lot of work re uh, repainted lots of changed out lots of greys for um, warmer neutrals and lots of greens and things like that and ended up putting more on walls that I'd kept quite simple because I thought oh I want a calming space because that life is so crazy suddenly I was like I need things on these walls that there were rooms that I didn't want to, not, I've not got sort of a huge house with a choice of rooms but like there were spaces I wouldn't really want to be in because I designed them to be calming and actually I wanted to be distracted <laughs> at that point um and so I needed color and pattern and things to look at and as soon as I made those changes I felt so much better even though they were kind of small changes at, at that time the, um certainly in the sort of early early few months you couldn't even necessarily go to the shops or ordering online was even difficult sometimes. So it was very much a kind of a make to like, what have I got in the house? Like cobbling <laughs> stuff together, painting things with leftover tester pots. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm really, I think it's really a really useful tool for people to be aware of and to just understand a little bit more about what their own needs are and how you can use it and how you can make it different in different spaces as well. Cause it doesn't have to be, you know, the whole house. It can be just making sure you've got a little corner for, a little zen corner or a little reinvigoration corner or whatever it might be yeah playing about with the house and making it work for you but i just love the timing of all of those um i looking through um, um your website uh, i noticed that you've you did a thing called trend reports now obviously a lot of interior designers always try and look for trends not necessarily follow trends but i'm intrigued to know what what when you're working as a trend reporter what does that entail yeah, so I um, work uh, freelance I uh, as a trend reporter for a global forecasting agency called WGSN. I can never remember what it stands for. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a big global trend trend company. And so they create reports um, that are not just interiors, so that they cover sort of a broad range of topics, really. So fashion, uh, food, beauty, um, well, well, uh, fitness. Um, and so they so they do what they do is quite kind of alchemic. Um, they'll kind of look quite up to, up to sort of 10 plus years ahead, thinking about what's going to, what kind of broader social shifts are going on, what's, what's happening, what's going to happen sort of politically, socioeconomic, um, global, you know, climate change, all, all of those kind of factors. They'll look at that um, and look at where things are headed and they'll kind of, make predictions based on you know like say in 10 years more than 60 percent of us will be living in urban environments compared to now and so the, they'll sort of realize there's going to be a need for um you know for, for housing for space but also for connection to nature and so they'll be kind of working very kind of looking really sort of crystal ball almost into the future and then from from that kind of this is where things are headed longer term a bit like kind of tomorrow's world or for anyone of uh, i remember <laughs> that <laughs> yeah i just suddenly thought a lot uh, yeah it's, it's been a while that was on but uh we're showing our age, but I, I, we lived by Tomorrow's World. Tomorrow's World was a program that was on in like the eighties, where it, it showed like the first CD player, or it would it would predict the the machine, the microwave oven that was now everyone has that was on there for the first time, right? And it, it, we would watch it going, "Oh my god!" In twenty years' time, we're going to have this machine. So yeah, I totally remember that forecast style of it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's basically like that. <laughs> um it's it's not quite like that but yeah yeah it's that it's that sort of thing so so yeah so um so they will kind of look at this sort of bigger picture of where things are going longer term and then they'll kind of filter it down into how are thing how are things going to change you know over the next six months and what's emerging now so the thing I work on for them is what they call the emerging trends so I'm not the kind of the crystal ball um socioeconomic stuff I'm kind of looking at how things are changing now and how things are evolving. So I might focus on, for example, it could be looking at um, like there's been there's been over the last year or two 
a bit of a resurgence again in sort of retro style and nostalgia and heirloom and again I think because people have been wanting to feel that sense of um, connection and comfort so there's been a lot so I've done quite a lot of reports about that and about the different ways that people are working with like so like I'll do a report called like new nostalgia or something and then we'll look at the different what sort of how, what does that look like what what patterns are people decorating with how are they pulling it together um, so it's kind of a mixture of a direction that brands, so, so brands, so like a retailers, um, anyone like that, um, can pay to be a subscriber to the service. So they'll get that information that will basically is showing them, hey, this is the kind of thing that's going on at the moment. This is how this is how this is the different ways it's playing out, and this is how you could use it in your own industry. So it's kind of it's almost so a I, bit kind of like consultingy as well. So I imagine, like, so using that example, and and correct me if I'm wrong. So you know, you're saying at the moment, you know, that whole nostalgia and heirlooms and things like that. So you you say there's a big trend for that because everything we've been through in lockdown, people are holding on to the things that matter to them, family and things like that. So then, in my mind, for me, that is all the turn of the century kind of furniture and the browns and all the the. Um, Urquhart uh, kind of materials. So then, imagine a paint company will go. Well, how does that look? That looks like browns and chocolates and making your homely warm. So then, a paint company could look at that and then forecast the new paint color could be a brown color. And we've seen at the moment on the Interior Design Masters, a lot of people were using browns, and people are not afraid to use that at the moment. So is that how they would use that information potentially to create forecast color forecasts, for example? Yeah, I mean, I know um, sort of colour forecasting is um, like I know certainly sort of big paint companies like Dulux will work, will have sort of their big teams and, and they kind of send people out. They've got sort of little like spies, <laughs> like colour spies uh, throughout the world who are kind of reporting from their own different sort of niches and their fields of interest. But yeah, it's all that kind of stuff. Really. And this, this, there's lots of different kinds of brands and companies that might use these these trend reports and yes yeah, so you do have to pay to access the site like wgsn but they do also have like they've got an instagram and they've got free blog elements as well so it's not kind of you know completely exclusive yeah. um so people can have dip a toe into it um but yeah so so that information is, and it's as much about showing so like say um brown furniture is having a big resurgence at the moment all the kind of the dark victorian things but then it's looking at how so it's looking at how people in real life are styling it on instagram and, and things like that but also looking at how kind of um sort of like trend setting new brands are bringing those images in and having a bit of an overview to then explain to the subscribers and and it will then sort of filter down into the consumers as well how you can use that start how you know what colors do you use if you if you want to use the kind of vintage furniture but you want it to still feel quite contemporary how are people doing that um, and, and what colours are they using and what other things are they putting with it or are, are people putting like really modern chairs with a, a Victorian dining table or are they painting the table and, and things like that. It's weird because we, you know, we kind of secretly know that these kind of forecasty things are happening in the background, but it's really interesting to speak to somebody who's inputting bits of information as into this huge machine which like you say hopefully spits out some some knowledge for people down the line i find it i find it really really interesting yeah um, I, I think it's really interesting there's lots of sort of things that kind of so, so the whole idea of trends is like i think people can sort of write off trends as being a bit faddy or you know oh like oh, green is green is trendy and then it's not but it's it, it's looking at it more in that broader lifestyle sense it's never there's never really um you know something that is kind of certainly in the in the sort of things I do it's it's not something that's going to be three months time it's going to be oh you need to throw that away now because it's not cool anymore it's it's all kind of based on again the emotions and how people want are wanting to feel and that kind of that kind of side of things as well so yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's not just flash in the pan stuff it's it's, it's big, bigger move big bigger swathes of yeah talk. explaining why suddenly everything is pink <laughs> in the <shop laughs> or whatever <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, we, we've been chatting a while um, through the connection with the book. Obviously, you, you spoke to me as as the um, carpenter on Interior Design Masters. Uh, you reached out to me about the the new book, and, and I've, I've, um, we've included a few of my little bits in, inside. So, if, if anyone does buy the book, Interior Design Masters book, um, I'm in there under the DIY section with a. The, I've, I've cornered a few bits in it, and I've got quite a few corners, which is quite nice. I'm in it a lot. So we've been chatting quite a lot, but I'm I'm intrigued to know with with regards to the new interior design book how long did it take you to write it like you say 
it's it's a solid piece. There's lots of words in here. <laughs> it must have, you know, I want to know from from the well, let's start from the beginning. How did the concept come? Did you approach them or did they approach you? Yeah, so they approached uh, me. So the so I think the the publishers um uh, the publishers quadrille approached me initially to write the book. They'd seen my other books and they liked they particularly were interested in the way that I um well they felt that I write in quite a sort of a practical achievable way that lots of people could feel like they could follow themselves and and I've got kind of I'm not an expert particularly in DIY or crafting but I know a fair bit like I know kind of enough to uh, you know to sort of to write about it and, and where to go to fill in the blanks um so they came to me they'd already got the like a deal with the so obviously it's a little bit more complicated when it's involving a so it's involving the BBC and it's involving the production company that make interior design masters DSP. So I think DSP and the BBC had come to an arrangement with Quadrille that there was that they had permission to do the book. And for it to be a BBC tie-in book, it has to be, they say it has to be like 25% from the show, which is quite a hard thing to quantify, but I well, I did what I did and they agreed that it, it qualified. So, um, yeah, so so that was, yeah, so that was kind of the, the premise of it. But even though they came to me with the, they'd got the permission to create a book, I still had to go to a degree through that pitching process of how I thought it could work, how what the layout, kind of the general structure of it might be. Um, and we sort of worked together a bit on that before it was finally um, signed off. And then... It was the same kind of time frame as all books, really. I generally find they all seem to take kind of 12 to 18 months from, from the sort of first conversation that you have to hear it physically as in the shops. It's normally a long time, unless it's something like a, a very pertinent, like celebrity biography or something that would get rattled out really quickly. Um, it that yeah would normally be at least at least a year for a published. Oh, it takes that long to get these yeah. books going. Oh my, like, that really is a labour of love then. Yeah, and then by the time it sort of comes out, it's it's kind of like oh, this old thing. <laughs> like I moved on from that months ago. Um, but yeah, so it, it yeah, it, but it's kind of and that's not um, you know, there's there's lots of kind of breaks and pauses in between that time frame. So the first few months, yeah. So it's normally the same roughly for all the books, but certainly like so for design masters, the first few months was um, figuring out what we were going to talk about. So yeah, so I've mentioned briefly earlier that I. I, I had watched all so at that point series three hadn't so yeah so I got like sneak uh like t- very top secret like um files for for watching series three before it came out um and then I'd already seen series one and two but I was re-watching them as well going through them trying to pick out the common sort of threads um so things like often people often people on the show do wall cladding so I was I was pulling together like the main kind of ways, what are the main ways people are doing wall cladding and, and things like that. So pulling together lots of common threads, pulling together some sort of quotes and things directly from the show. Um, I, I then sort of reached out to most of the people that were involved. So most of the design contestants from, from all four series um, and um, yeah, some of the, um, the on-screen talent such as yourself um, and some of the art department team as well, who you wouldn't see on the show. Um and all, yeah, and of course, all the um, the guest judges as well. Um, so yeah, so I spoke to quite a lot of people. So it was kind of a lot that went into the melting pot, <laughs> and then the actual writing bit was kind of so for me. I tend to sort of compile all the ideas together and then refine it down, like boil it down, <laughs> um, and then the actual writing bit kind of happened, sort of you know at the very end almost. Yeah, um, so you almost get the framework. And, and and even in the book, you kind of call it a framework. So you've got signature style, practical steps, and then design principles. So what made you choose those three parts as framework? Yeah, so it so I suppose the book is kind of it's more chronological. So my other, yeah, as I said, my sort of my earlier but my my bedroom is an office is kind of standalone, whereas this is a, a, a proper chronological um book. Um, so it kind of does start with sort of what you need to know before you even think about designing and then it ends with the kind of the finishing touches and the styling elements and stuff and it's got the sort of the framework in between but um, certainly things like the the whole idea of signature style obviously that's something that Michelle talks about a lot in the show and, and that's very important to her so I was trying to kind of <laughs> channel my inner Michelle Gunderhin <laughs> and um, sort of think about what what was 
what are the kind of key things that she often looks for, what are the key pieces of advice that she often gives. So I felt like the signature style and explaining about how that works is a really key thing. And and it also I think it's a really nice it's a really nice principle as well because it, it's it's not about following a certain it's not about being oh my style is maximal so I'm going to decorate like this necessarily it's kind of working out my cut my style is I like things to feel this kind of way I like I like rich tones in my colors I like um you know tactile materials or, or whatever it might be so it's it's kind of again giving you giving the readers the framework to figure that out for themselves and then take that and then take and then turn it into so therefore this sort of decorative style would work for me that's that kind of thinking is the you know obviously it's called interior design masters um but do you have to be a fan of the show to enjoy the book or is it a standalone or does it work if you if can you enjoy the book if you you've never watched an episode of interior design masters uh yeah very good question and the answer is that um yeah it was very much written and the brief was to write something that would work for for both for everyone really. So if you're a huge fan of the show, then you know there's there's lots of quotes and tips and illustrated room sets in there that have featured across all all three series and then quotes from the series for contestants. Um, but equally, if you've never watched the show or you know you've maybe dabbled in it, but you're not kind of a, a diehard fan, then equally there's loads of really good advice. Um, there's a framework to follow um and lots of really useful tips from the from the design contestants and the, and the judges that again it's it's not necessarily that they're they're sharing their wisdom as well so they they there's so many people involved in this show that have so many really good ideas and useful information to share so um yeah so it it, it works either way <laughs> <laughs> you talked about illustrations in the book there's no pictures in the book it's, it's beautifully illustrated um what made you um what made you choose that particular illustrator and 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 how what how what why did you choose that rather than the photos yeah so it's a number of reasons really so um so the publishers um they they've done other books in the past with which are illustrated um so they have kind of a bank of illustrators that they often use and and we did a few kind of tests and things to see to find someone who whose style we felt worked um and yeah the lady that we found charlotte or we were just sort of we thought her 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 illustrative style was just really charming they're they're really lovely really lovely illustrations to look at um and we, we went that way partly so that we could um there were lots of kind of bits in the show sort of filming wise and and in the photography that was taken that you might kind of, it might be sort of quite a nice, a nice wide shot where you can see the full scheme, but the, there were lots of details that are a bit kind of blink and you'll miss them. Um, so by going illustrated, it meant that we were able to focus in on, so all the illustrations are based on design schemes from the show. They're not kind of, you know, unrelated designs. Um, but by doing it that way, it allowed us to show show the details and the elements that we wanted to show. And it also put everyone on a level playing field because I think it's fair to say that the the photos that were taken of series one, which is sort of five, six years ago now, aren't as good quality as the ones from series three and series four now as well. Um, and so we didn't want to be limited by, um, you know, which which um, spaces had the best quality photos. So this way it was kind of everyone, everyone had an equal chance well, of viewing. Um, yeah, it's like you were saying, though, like, you know, you, one of the topics is panelling. I think I was involved in that, helping you, you know, to showing how to fix panelling. So it meant you can get some, a really nice picture of somebody's room and get that drawn, just focusing as the panelling is the centre front bit. So I, so I, like, it kind of almost reinforced the topics that you were discussing. Yeah, it, it, was, it was quite nice being able to, because I had all the image, all the photography on file and I was able to share that with the illustrators but then exactly give those kind of briefs of you know leave out these other elements that are in the photo and just focus on on this paneling and you know maybe if the, the real life photo would have had a table and chair directly in front of it so I'd said or oh, move move the table and chair so they're just kind of cropping into your illustration but aren't it's not taking up too much of the space and 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 we sort of were able to add in extra drawings as well so I know for the paneling one um there's also like just some simple line drawings showing two different styles of paneling like a wainscoting style paneling and um like a more kind of modernist sort of grid style um so yeah we were able to just kind of go into more detail really play about um who's uh who's been your favorite uh, roomscape 
out of all the seasons? Because we can talk about season four now, even though it's not really in the book. But is there is there a favourite that you've, you you think? Ooh, I'd like that. Um, from all from all four. Yeah. Um, I think Banjo's classic, but Banjo's um, bedroom in the hotels. Um, yeah, so, I did that. That was me. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that was series, series three, episode two, maybe episode three. Um, yeah, so that was it. Was just such a lovely one. I think that was the first. So, it, like, so it wasn't the first um, episode of that series, but I think that was sort of the first time that we could really see Banjo style, and it was just like, oh, this is just such a lovely space. Like, I would, I would love to stay there. And the, there's a really lovely illustration. Well, they're all lovely illustrations, but um, the illustration of that bedroom in the book is one of my favourite illustrations as well. So, um, yeah, I just think it's, yeah, it's just really charming. It really shows his style. And and that's when he, he was kind of first starting creating his characters. So I remember I spoke to him about it. Um, yeah, he was sort of saying this idea of the, yeah, I think like a, a Polynesian traveller who was, uh, you know, landed at his hotel and has a little dram of whiskey and... Drunken <laughs> botanist, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, I, I, lo- I love that one. And I, I love Banjo. And obviously now he's gone on to do his own show as well. He's become hugely successful. Um, I think this book is actually perfect for someone like Banjo in that he has these amazing ideas, but not necessarily doesn't know how he does it, doesn't know how to collate them and put them together. And he just naturally uses natural instinct. But I imagine this book is there to give somebody a bit more framework, you know, with raw talent like that. But also if you have, if you've never done any interior design, I imagine this book is there just to hold your hand a little bit and and, and guide you from the initial how to find your style to actually execute. Yeah, I mean, I very much wanted to um, to break it down. So we've got lots of case studies in there from from the show. So Banjo's is that that room of Banjo's is one case study. And as you say, he some some people, some designers are super instinctive and they they almost can't tell you how they've done it. They just know it it kind of works. And so what I've tried to do is is break down why it works and explain explain how you can recreate that at home and, and get the look, but in but also still explaining why you might want to do like what the sort of impact will be of certain things so if you want to if you want to create the space a space that feels a bit more vibrant maybe you could add a bolder green or rather than just being kind of like you know here's how you can kind of completely copy it um and yeah and and I think and it's also been interesting sort of I spent quite a lot of time obviously analyzing in far more giving a lot more thought to looking at these certain designs and, and thinking about why they worked and like um Siobhan from series two, for example, her, um, her, uh, shirk, what is it, she, a, a holiday home, wasn't it? Yeah, the holiday home in the finale of series um, two. And obviously she's very much known for her kind of maximalist style. Um, and so we did a, an illustration and we did a case study of um, the living room that she created for that holiday space. And actually the, the more you kind of look at it and understand it and break it down, actually it's kind of quite refined in a way, but um, it's just the fact that she's used all of her colours that she's used are really rich and rich, strong colours. But actually, she had only used really sort of three different colours and the patch, she'd only really used two different patterns. But the way she pulled it together meant that it had that maximal sort of look. But equally, it wasn't like, whoa, this is kind of crazy and overwhelming. It was kind of really considered as well. And again, I think she's someone that um, just has this natural inherent instinct and then has kind of added to that along the way so yeah I thought that was it was really nice to sort of break things down like that really it's really interesting to see people like Banjo and Siobhan who had never done any interior design other than their own place they weren't you know trained interior designers but they both had this natural affinity, like you were saying, with Siobhan. And, you know, that that room was bonkers. You know, with is it shark tooth print, you know, for, you know, for Dogs, head Yeah, the hound's tooth, hound's um, tooth ceiling that she'd done. And then she had, like, bright-coloured um, lampshades hanging down from the ceiling, like, loads of them. But, again, the shades were in... So I think there were three different colours of the shades and three different styles. Anyone that knows about um, styling knows that you you tend to do everything in odd numbers. Um, so three, yeah, three colours, three different shapes, <laughs> yeah. group of three. It's like the the stylist law. <laughs> but it, and it and it worked, and you know, and 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 
it, it was amazing. And it's interesting, the maximalist they've had, you know, in the new season, you know, people are scared of it. You know, we've had it before on other seasons. As soon as you mention maximalist, it kind of richly throws them. People either really get it or don't. And I love the fact that you've explained. So for any new contestants wanting to apply for the show, they should definitely get the book. <laughs> so they'll yes. get the rules. They'll get the rules of, of what Michelle's after. Um, yeah, it would is... be actually a really good like kind of crib sheet <laughs> <laughs> it's been you know I, I think it's brilliant I love the book and I, I've I've read it from cover to cover um, not just cornering my bits that are in there but it was just it, it was a big nostalgia trip actually because I've been involved in the show from the beginning and just to see all of these rooms that I've been part of and all these characters and people and whether it's the judges or the contestants it's been it's, it's been a really it's, it's actually a really nice celebration of what's been a lovely time over the last four years um if anybody we're coming towards the end now um but if if anybody uh want you know this book is available in any bookstore so they can you know get it online i imagine yeah it's in all the usual places so yeah so amazon uh waterstones um sainsbury's are selling it i do have a small stock as well if anyone wants to, uh, if anyone wants to buy a signed copy from me um yeah they're available on my website as well which is um, joannathornhill.co.uk and then you can find the books bit um, from there too as a, a gift for a, a friend or a loved one i love that yeah we'll definitely put the link you know in all the biogs and everything and all the um, um bits with the podcast and on my socials but I've cut the final question that i ask all my designer um, guests is what is your dream space i want you to describe to me the dream space that you are aspired to have or one that you've seen or that if you just be plonked in it would make you the happiest in the world and also what you're drinking whilst you're in this space yeah, so so I live in a, a a very kind of small and humble um Victorian house in a little, little mid terrace in East London, and I really like houses that have um a sense of history to them and, and where you can sort of reveal the bones of the spaces. So we've uncovered a lot of old sort of panelling and bits of old Victorian wallpaper and floorboards and all sorts of things. So I really like that sense of of history, and so I like the style of my house. Um, if I could maybe move it, keep it where it is in in London, but like put land around it and detach it and make it five times the size, that that would be nice. Um, but otherwise, I think I, I would really like to maybe live in some kind of other old, maybe like a building that's an old building that's been converted from like industrial use or something like that, something a bit quirky, like an old church or maybe I should go and visit um back from series four because <laughs> he's got his lovely old church that he lives in um but yeah so I think I would it'd be really nice to live somewhere that's a bit quirky a bit unusual and just has that real lovely sense of history to it and the layers and the kind of the stories that though that those old places um tell so I will I will have that it will it will be in London but also right by the sea and the country <laughs> um <laughs> and, uh, just because why not and um yeah, and I will have an espresso martini. Ooh, we like an espresso martini. Uh, Joanna, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, remind my listener where they can find you on your socials or on your website, please. Uh, yeah, so my main social place is um, Instagram. So I'm I'm on there, at Joanna Thornhill Stylist, um, all one word. And then my website is um, just my name, so joannathornhill.co.uk. And that's kind of a portal to other things I've got going on so I do I do I do some online kind of design consultancy for people looking to improve their home but just need a bit of guidance um I'm I do a few kind of courses and teaching and things here and there I'm going to set up a few courses and stuff that are in the pipeline so yeah so head over there and you can subscribe to my mailing list and keep uh keep abreast of all that amazing and, and, and my books are there as well and the books are there. And if you want a signed copy for a friend, I highly recommend it. You can go to joannathornell.co.uk. Joanna, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on the TV Carpenter podcast. Thank you for having me. Who knew there was such a thing as a trend report? I love that. And that people um, input information about you know social issues that end up um, influencing how we buy later on down the line. 
Um, but yeah, I, I love that chat with Joanna, even if it was the second time round. Um, and just to explore the book and everything that's in it, it's actually really nice to to look through it and remind ourselves of all the different contestants and the rooms and the themes and everything you know that we've done when creating this this amazing show, which is Interior Design Masters. If you want a copy of that book, remember you can go to um, Joanna Thornhill Stylist on Instagram and, and link through to her website and she can and send you a signed copy, um, which would be nice to have. Um, but also you can just follow her generally and, and get all the information from her and see some of the amazing work that she's done. Once again, I always have to thank my sponsor. I couldn't do this podcast without them, which is Thorn Down Paint. And don't forget, you can get 15% discount by putting in the code, the TV Carpenter. I've just realised it's been full on raining at the moment in, in my house. So if you hear rain sounds, I do apologise for that. Uh, it all adds to the authenticity of the podcast. Um, and as well, thank you for listening to, to me. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. It really means a lot. If you have any messages, messages for me, you can go to my website, thetvcarpenter.com. And also, if you want information about the House Proud Club, don't forget, just click on that website again and it'll send you, um, show you a link where you can sign up to be the first people to hear about, about the club and, uh, and how it can help you create a safe, practical and beautiful home. But for now, all that's left for me to do is say thank you for listening to me, Wayne Perry, on the TV Carpenter podcast. Mm-hmm.